Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 1234 now, Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now, where guests receive gift certificates to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal is an occasion at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Well, nothing's changed. Uh, the uh, That's Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Not the who was in Stakeout? There was a movie back in the eighties called Stakeout, wasn't there? Somebody will text me on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Uh, the official Stoffer curse has taken place. I talked about Pierre Engvall going big, six foot five, rangy guy can skate. He's out. He got scratched. Uh, Mark Masters from TSN reporting that Spezza and Barabanov will be in on their fourth line along with Travis Boyd. Uh, Dermot draws back on the defense. We'll play with uh, Zach Bogosian. So uh, the rest of the Leafs lines. Matthews, Hyman, and Marner. Uh, Tavares, Nylander, McCav, Kerfoot, VC, and Simmons again, I believe. Uh, Boyd, Spezza, and Barabanov will be the fourth line. Uh, Riley with Brody, Muzzin, and Hole. And then uh, they'll have Dermott, who played Travis Dermott, who played with Connor McDavid and Erie for Chris Knobloch, uh, will be paired with Zach Bogosian. Without further ado, we welcome back to the show our winners now headliner for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W I L H A U K, today. Louis DeBrusque. Hi, Louis. How are you? going on, Bob? How are you doing today? Uh, not bad. It's interesting watching this taxi squad, and it's going to yep. take me, and I'm going to bring mm-hmm. it back to when you played. How many extra guys were they allowed to have kicking around when you were playing? <laughs> it was unlimited. When I first came into the league, it was unlimited. So we always had at least three forwards, a line, and we always had a couple of defense at, you know, that were available and, and ready to play at any time. The black aces, you know, we just would go to work, work hard, and if somebody wasn't playing very well, we would jump into the lineup. And I know that's the situation this year, and we're seeing a lot of changing between games. Um, you know, you just mentioned Engvall coming out for the lease, and I'm I'm scratching my head at that one. I got to tell you, I, I'm surprised this guy actually cleared waivers. Because I, I don't know what it is. Every time I watch that kid play, he just does something that I go, you know, that kid's pretty good. He's 6'5", he can skate, he can play center, he can play wing, he can play up your lineup, he can play down. Let's put it this way. If he keeps playing the way he plays when he does get in the lineup, he won't clear waivers again. I can promise you that. Yeah, I look, you know who I'd have these discussions with. Like, this was talked about in this. I'm just like, there's a, there's a player there that's, he's got the size. The biggest thing is yeah. you got to be able to, what we're seeing now is if you can't skate with the pace of the game, you got oh, no he, chance. He can right, skate. Louis? He yeah. can skate. He's on their fourth line right now, and he made a beautiful pass on the, uh, the goal by Travis Boyd. Um, against the Flames the other night. So, I, I mean, listen, they obviously know their team a heck of a lot better than I do, but I look at that and I'm like, mm, I don't know if I would change something that's working. But they're trying to get everybody, and I think every coach has the same philosophy. They are just they just understand there's a lot of guys that need to get into the rotation. So unlike when I played, there was only two or three guys 
or four or five. You've heard Dave Tippett talk about it. They've got another eight, nine, ten guys potentially that they're trying to keep into the mix, keep their game legs going, and there's going to be a lot of games in short order. So from that point of view, I understand it, but um, I don't know. For me, I, I don't know what it is. Every time I see that kid play, I'm like, geez, he's a thorn in your side and he's big. I'm thinking the same thing as you. All right. Uh, you mentioned the fact that you get pulled. Who was it? Was it Barry Stafford that used to give you the thumbs up, thumbs down? <laughs> yeah. Gives you the hook. You know, you come in after warm-ups. And that was a lot more typical, too, back in the day was you'd have extra bodies in warm-up. I think nowadays they, they there is the odd time they'll have one, maybe two guys out there just, to, just in case something happens, right? But for the most part, I've seen a lot of warm-ups in, in the modern game now where they don't even dress an extra guy. It's like, listen, you're in the room anyway. If something happens, you can get dressed and you can jump into the game. So you never really would find out whether you were playing or not until after the warm-up. And so you'd go through your whole day day preparing like you were going to play, and then Barry Stafford would come in, and it was either the hook where he put his finger in his mouth and give it a little yank like you're out of here, or he would give you the thumbs up. And the thumbs up meant stay ready because you're playing tonight. So that was how it worked. And it was interesting to hear Cuckoo Slater talk about the 16 scratches in a row that he had in Tampa Bay to start start the year and Dave Tippett say yeah I kind of know what that's like being a healthy scratch I think I had the league record for healthy scratches when I played so I know exactly what that's all about let me tell you something it's here's the thing it's it's a different uh, perspective on the game you have an appreciation for it yes you're bitter and you're sour but I really like what Slater said you don't go out of the game you can be mad but don't take that into your practices and take that to the taxi squad what he did is he went down to the taxi squad he worked hard and he pretty much became almost a mentor and an older guy for the guys that were there saying, listen, I went 16 games and the next thing you know, I was in the lineup and it happened really fast. So keep yourself ready. Keep yourself on your toes. Um, always maintain that mental edge to be ready when you do get your opportunity. And, you know, I, I think it can be a real healthy competition. I do. It can be a real help, healthy competition for the players that are trying to get in there on a night to night basis. And even young Caleb Jones talked about it. He was in for a couple. He got taken out for a few. He got injected back into the lineup. His attitude's really good, though. He said he took that time to watch, learn, and make sure he was adjusting his game to be better, and I thought he was a lot better in the last game that he played. So coming up at 12.50, we'll play a couple of those clips from Slater Cuckoo as well as uh, Caleb Jones, Louis DeBrus joining us from NHL Hockey and Rogers. So conservatively, how many times do you think you were uh, scratched? Like 30, 35 times? Well, I'll tell you what. It took me 12 years to get 400 games. I'm glad I finally got it. It was a real achievement for me. I'm not going to lie. It was a very, uh, very special moment for me. And I remember Dennis Savard, Danny Savard in Chicago. He was uh, on the coaching staff there and he came in and he knew. He knew it was my 400th game. And he said, It took you a while to get that. And I said, You're darn right it did. And I was happy to uh, get that 400th game in a Hawks uniform. It was uh, a great organization to play for. I wish I would have played more games there. I just love the city and, and the team. But, you know, Listen, everybody has a different journey, and everybody has a different course, but at the same time, everybody has the same game plan. They want to play as many games as they possibly can. They want to be in the lineup each and every night, and it's just not going to always be the case with the majority of players. There's only a select few that jump into the league and never have to deal with that. And even the guys that don't deal with that early sometimes have to deal with it late. You brought up one of those guys in Jason Spezza. You know, this is a guy that, could you ever imagine him being a healthy scratch in his early years in Ottawa? Are you kidding me? The guy was putting up 100 points. I mean, and it just it was never part of his game but 
games have changed for him. He's been around the league for a long, long time, and he's taken on a different role. And you just have to adjust and, and, and make sure that you're trying to be the player that that respective team is looking for. And that's how you can really lengthen your career and play for a long time. Louis, it's all about perspective. You played 400 games in the NHL. Right now, there's about 35 to 40,000 people listening to the show. My guess is there's at least 20,000 guys that might have been healthy scratched 18 to 20 times in their midget double-A or midget triple-A careers and never got a sniff of junior. I might know a guy like that. So I have nothing but the utmost respect for anybody that's been good enough to play a single game in the NHL. All right. Uh, Now, one thing we are seeing is maybe teams and deployment being used just as when you played you had to make sure you had enough toughness you know you'd play out la play vancouver play calgary yeah. back then you had to have the hammers in the lineup when you're playing toronto they don't have that they have speed so the orders tonight goes in there we go hit on that for me yeah and it, it makes total sense to me and you look you know dave Tippett has talked about that it's there's going to be adjustments made to the teams you're playing if you're playing a big heavy team that you know you're going to have to go up and battle in the corner for most of the night, then you're going to dress a heavier lineup if you have it. If it's at your disposal, you're going to play it. You're going to play that type of a lineup to go up against the respective opponent. But, you know, I agree with them in this sense with, with, with Toronto. They're a fast team. They're quick. So, you know what? Nygaard's got in there. He's played against the Leafs a couple times already. He's done pretty well in those games. He injects that speed. That's what they're looking for. So if you can't be tenacious physically, be tenacious with speed. Be tenacious with speed. Take time and space away as quickly as possible. Try and get on defense a little bit quicker. Make them want to make that pass a little earlier than they want to. And and good things can happen with those turnovers. I mean, that's the one message that I got from you know, from the coach, coach Dave Tippett's press conference this morning is the fact that, listen, they've, they've been in position a lot of times to make decent defensive plays, but they haven't done the right things when they're in those positions. So how, what are the ways that you can try and nullify that? Well, play with the puck more often, he said, and I, I agree with that too. And if you're aggressively forechecking and you're on the bodies early, you're going to have the puck more often than not, and that's the way you want to play. But when you are defending in your own zone, just be aware of your surroundings and really battle hard uh, in front of your goaltender. I think teams that are having success right now have been really stingy and aggressive in battling in front of their goaltenders and not allowing easy goals to, goals against to happen. And that's certainly something that Edmonton has to clear up here going forward. And the good news is, is that every every player to a man talked about it after the game. They They know what the problem is. They understand the problem. Now it's just a matter of going out there and executing. I have, there's no question the team misses Clef Bomb on defense. He played 25 minutes a game, Louie. Uh, three minutes a game on the power play, two minutes a game on the PK. They were number one, number two in the NHL last year. I, I'm, I'm fairly confident this group is going to improve as the season go, uh, gets on. Uh, do you agree or disagree with that? I do agree because they're, I think they're relatively close. I do. I think they're close in, in trying to play the type of game they want to play. It's always, tougher when there's different personnel. Essentially, you've taken three defensemen out of the lineup from last year, and you've ejected three new defensemen in this year. With Clefbaum being injured, Tyson Berry gets injected in, Slater Cuckoo, young Caleb Jones, who has played games, but is now, they're looking for him to potentially be a regular in the lineup. There's a lot of different things that happen there. You're, you're, you're changing some partners, you're trying to find the right mix and the right guys to play with one another, and the more you play together, the more comfortable you get, the more you can read off of one another and have that kind of chemistry, which we talk about 
lot, especially for defensemen, because when you make a mistake on defense, it usually costs you. And that's something that has hurt Edmonton this year, too. When they do make a mistake, it usually ends up in the back of the net. That's not always going to be the case. It's not always going to go in, but it just seems right now at the most inopportune times when they do make that critical mistake or a turnover in the defensive zone, uh, it seems to find its way into the back of the net more often than not. And that can be really crushing to a team, but... Like I said before, I like their attitude right now. I think they understand that it's just some small adjustments they need to make. And the biggest one for me is they need to get tenacious. We talk about tenacity all the time on the forecheck, in the offensive zone. Well, let me tell you something. It's just as important in the defensive zone. You have to be a hard team to play against. And that doesn't mean you need to go out there and have bone-crushing hits like Scott Stevens. That just means that every single time somebody is in your space, they know you're there. And they know you're there in a big way. Be on them. Glue to them. Get the stick in there. Make sure you're aggressive. Quick to get into the corners and take time and space away. Finish checks when you can. Just make it a real difficult environment for the forwards of the opposition to play in your zone. It hasn't been to this point enough. There have been stretches of it, though, where I think they've done a real good job of it. So, so when you see that, you know it's capable and you know that they can do it. It's just a matter of doing it for more consistent periods of time. You caught uh, Tim Muddy Waters towards the late end of his career. Of course, he played for the Jets for a number of years. When you played against him, he was an L.A. King. And to me, he was one of those smaller, agitating, in-your-face kind of defensemen. I had some battles with him. Yeah. Was, was there, I mean, you know, and you would get that matchup because with all due respect, Louie, he was playing a little <laughs> further down the lineup at that time. It's funny you mentioned him, though, Bob, Sorry to because the one thing I always remembered about him was he would give you a stick or a jab and he'd kind of take you out at the right time. He was really good with his timing. He knew how to manage that really well. He'd been around for a while. And even from a bigger guy like myself coming into the front of the net, he wasn't always going to try and overpower me. He would do it kind of with smarts and sneakiness. And every time he would do something, you know, he'd kind of catch you with a cross check on the tricep, just above the elbow or something. You'd kind of look over and he'd kind of have like a little, little grin on his face. Like it was almost like he, he just loved the battle. He loved being in there and trying to deter a guy from, from getting his, his shot away or getting a good opportunity. And I always kind of remember that. I always remember looking at him the one time and he kind of just had a smile on his face. I'm like, yeah, it's like a cagey vet right there that just kind of gave me the business in front of the net. But you know what? Listen, make it a game. Make it a game within the game. And we talk about that a lot, Bob, about you know, whatever it takes to kind of get you mentally engaged and mentally ready and to have that right mindset going into a battle. It, it doesn't have to be something that you're nervous about. or it just, just go in there and play hard. You know, Go in there and play hard. Be heavy on your stick and really take you know that attitude that you're just not going to be beaten if you go into the front of the net and you're you're so desperate not to get scored on if that desperation is higher than that Ford's desperation to score a goal and that's what it has to be uh, you're going to be you're going to be good on most nights was there a d-man in the league when you played that you just hated oh that's a good question you know I mean, obviously the tough guys. Any any tough guy that I would play against, you know, I knew that every time we went in there, we were going to battle. But uh, you know, I, I speaking Rod Langway, you know, early in my career, he uh, 
he kind of took my leg out from underneath me. And again, a real cagey veteran move. You know, he knew that I was a big guy and I went in there. I remember we butted shoulders and I kind of got into my position, just trying to be a presence in front of the net. And he just kind of made sure that his stick, when I pushed off of him and Kevin Lowe used to do this all the time. He actually did it to me. Uh, we were teammates as, as Oilers. And then he went to the Rangers and, you know, Kevin was just really smart. So you would go to hit him. And when you hit him, he would just absorb the hit, but he kind of drag his stick behind him. And he would always kind of, catch the back of your leg and you always ended up on the ice like somehow you were falling down out of that hit it just was like you know you're gonna oh yeah he's gonna he's gonna sneakily kind of trip you along the process of weathering a hit and it was a hundred percent accidentally on purpose well Langway was the same way you know he was just really cagey in front of the net so he knew the body position he wasn't a small guy he was a big guy but you know he just knew you know how to be in the right position how to get that that right leverage to make it really difficult for you to go anywhere. And he did the same thing. He kind of took my leg out and sneaky little move. And I ended up pulling a growing on it and missing some time after that injury. So that's probably why I remember it to this day. Cause I maybe didn't give him enough respect when I went in there with him. Like, I mean, I obviously knew who he was and I just was, you know, trying to play hard in front of the net, but it surprised me that he was stronger than I thought he was going to be. And that was a real lesson for me, you know, early in my career, that was my first full year. And I'm like, you know, these guys that have been around for a while, they're real solid. Like they've been around for a while for a reason. They're, you know, they just know how to weather those storms. And they know how to to battle the right way in front. And you know, that's something I think every young defenseman can take. You know, you watch the older players play, and I think you can learn so much from them. The way they maneuver in front of the net, the way they use their size if they have it, the way they use their body if they don't have the size, they strategically are defenders. And there's so many different ways to defend, but. When you when you really boil it down, I think the one common denominator they all have is a tenacity and a desperation to not get scored on. Did you ever run up against Martinotti? Because I can tell you, as a 66, yeah. six, 65 to 67, you know, ben, Brian Benning, Manny Viveros, those guys were really skilled and good players. And then there was uh, then there was Tenorti and Herbers, Ian Herbers. Those guys were just massive, uh, gigantic men. Well, you know, and Tenorti was actually a pretty good player. His son played a lot like him too. And and the thing yeah. is, um, you know, for for Mark, he was he was tough. He was really tough. I mean, he yes, had a couple of marathon fights. I mean, he had a great fight when he was a member of the Rangers with. Uh, he fought Bob Probert, and they yep. went for a long time. And I think Tenorti was fairly young at that time. And I was, yep. I just remember seeing that fight going, wow, man, that guy just really didn't give an inch to, in my opinion, the biggest, baddest guy in the league. So, And he and got then, hit, Louie. He got hit, too, in that fight. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, he could take it. So that respect factor is there because not only is he super tough, he's got a little bit of a mean streak in him. And he's big, and he, and he takes up a lot of space. And back then, you know, you could really give the lumber to guys in front. That's a real good pick for you because he was a guy you didn't like going to the front of the net with because you were going to pay the price. Kind of like Jeff Bukaboom, who I played with early in my career. You know, big Jeff and, I mean, Luke Richardson, you know, those two guys, when they were on the back end and you came to the blue paint, that's where the saying came from, go to the hard areas. Well, they were really hard areas back in the day. And to be honest with you, I think they're getting harder now. I really do. I think there's been an elevation there in front of the nets. I'm, I'm watching a lot of hockey, and I just see 
the officials are letting a lot of battle go in front of the net. So if you're willing to get in there and engage, I think you can get away with a little bit more than you've been able to get with, get away with in the past, as long as you keep it within reason. So I would try and push that rate to the limit. If I'm a defenseman, I would try and push that rate to the limit until you have to find that fine line where you're going to take a penalty or where you're not. It's not an easy one to find in each game to game basis, but you have to find it because that's exactly where you need to be. All right. You use the term accidentally on purpose. The Leafs played the Flames the other night. Matthew Kachuk, who I think's the Flames' best player, Louis, accidentally on purpose <laughs> fell on Jack Campbell. What surprised yeah. you more? The lack of response from the Maple Leafs in the next game or the fact that at the end of the game, Kachuk, who is a master of gamesmanship, got played by Jake Muzzin. Which was a bigger surprise for you? Well, I mean... Uh... That's a good question. I don't really – here's the thing. He was bumped from behind on that play. When I watch that play, I, it's like, listen, if you don't want a guy to fall on your goaltender, then stop pushing him into your goaltender. Pull him away from your goaltender. Get in between him and your goaltender. That's the one thing he's really good at, and he's pretty big. So he gets himself into those positions where he's going to take advantage of that behind the back cross check. If you give him one or you push him in a bad angle, if he can, of course he's going to fall on your goaltender. Is it accidentally on purpose? 100%. But I would do the same thing. You know, I'm just going to tell you that right now. If you push me from behind to your goaltender, I'm going to fall on your goaltender. I just am. That's what I'm going to do. So stop pushing them from behind in front of your goaltender, and that'll probably stop happening on more of a regular basis. Um, with Muzzin throwing that puck at him, I think that was just Muzzin's way of kind of, you know, obviously throwing it back at him. I heard John Shannon on your show yesterday, and I thought the same thing. I thought as soon as I saw that, I thought Drew Doughty, there's a history there. Muzzin was on that team. So obviously there's still some carried-over dislike for Matthew Kachuk, which I think that goes for every team that plays against the Calgary Flames. They've <laughs> don't like Kachuk, which is, I think is exactly how he likes it. Yep. But um, you know what? There wasn't a response at that time. It's a different game. Would I have liked to have seen a response? Sure, I would have. I always like seeing a response because I don't care who does it. When there's a response, that just tells me that's a team that cares and doesn't really care. and They're going to go to battle, and they're going to get out of their comfort zone to protect somebody on their team, especially a goaltender. So, But you know what? It, for me, it was awesome. I, I, I watched that, and I'm like, perfect. I can't wait till the next game. You know, like yeah. and for, for Matthew Kachuk's reaction, and I think that this is how I broke it down in my mind, they lost the game. They lost the game by one goal. They had some chances. He was frustrated. So he was already upset before Muzzin threw that puck at him, and then it just boiled over, and that's just his way of he's got to fight for every single inch that he gets on the ice. He knows that. He knows where he scores his goals. So he's going to fight for that inch every single night. And that's what you like about Matthew Kachuk. You love him or hate him. That's a guy I want on my team that's going to fight for that inch every single night. You got to fight for that inch. There was a football movie about that, yep. wasn't that with Al? Yep. Al Pacino. The inch in front of your face, <laughs> right? Those inches, those inches add up. They do. All right. <laughs> it's a game of inches, Louis. Hey, thanks for joining us here on Oilers. Now have a great uh, broadcast tonight with Jack. Okay. You too, bud. That is Louis DeBras from NHL Hockey and Rogers. We'll get to. The- Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Join us now, Injury Report, and we're going to come back with a quick audio clip from Slater Cuckoo as well. You're listening to Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. I think it still hurts the same. You know, any time that you're you're told you're taken out of the lineup, it's it's not easy, or you're not getting the chance tonight. It's uh, uh, it doesn't feel good. But um, I was telling some of the guys there uh, on the taxi squad, I said, "Look, I was scratched 16 games in a row to start one season in Tampa, and then all of a sudden I got a chance and played nine straight. You know, it can just happen like, you know, very quickly and." Uh, we've been fortunate this year without um, without having injuries so far, knock on wood. There you go. Very mature, calming presence. Slater Cuckoo back in the lineup uh, tonight. A dip into our Oilers now audio vault again for direct work. Where Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you as we head off to the Oilers now injury report for James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown, two-time CFL All-Star for the Double E Football Club. All right, Brendan, you're on. Okay, uh, Toronto continuing to work without rookie Nick Robertson and veteran Joe Thornton up front. Each of them expected out well into February. And then, of course, Jack Campbell week to week after Kachuk fell on top of him a couple games ago. Still no Mike Smith or Gaetan Haas for the Oilers. Neither were expected to be ready this week, though. Elsewhere, Stars captain Jamie Benn will miss tonight's game, that lower body injury I mentioned yesterday. And uh, Capitals forward Tom Wilson, a game-time decision tonight uh, with an LBI of his own. Uh, I got a text today from the Chisler out of Vegas. They're up to 1,400 to 1,500 cases a day. Uh, yesterday in Edmonton, 134 uh, positive cases uh, for the Edmonton Health Zone. There's five health zones in the province, and we're down to 2,862 active cases from over 10,000 back on December 15th. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Kevin Robertson for Canadian Power Pack Brian Burke when we return on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.